My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. Woo! All right, so we are on, uh, I think, page 116. Is that right, Dave? 116? Excellent. And uh, week 18, and we are going to finish, I think, I think, pretty sure, finish the next two verses uh, and move us into a new section of Colossians starting next week. So I'll go ahead and uh, read through Colossians 1 and a little bit of 2, and uh, we'll pick up on page 116 in just a couple of minutes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learn this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known 
the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him. Warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love, so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You ever read something you love so much it just gets you? I never know how to transition after those little moments. So there we are. There we go. All right, so page 116. What are we starting with at the top of page 116? What's the first word? This is a trick question. What's the first word? <clears throat> there we go. You got it. Yes, it's Hina. Yes, the first word is not an English word. Um, the first word is a Greek word that is skipped in our wonderful translation, uh, but it is in order that. And one of the reasons that, that, that our modern English translations skip over these words of Paul, specifically in this portion of Colossians, is he uses it so many times. R remember, what, what was Paul's formal training in? What was, his, what was his degree in? He was the lawyer, right. And, and what was the law? Like that, <laughs> right? So like this is what he's an expert in. So when somebody had a question about what do we do with this? Well, we go to the text, we look at the text, we figure out what the text says, and we go, we apply that to the situation. When they went before the judges who would discern and, and decide something, they would go to the law. He's making arguments. And what Paul does here in this section is he, he will say a phrase, and then he'll say, because of what I just said, this. And 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 don't let me steal his thunder next week, because what does verse 4 say? Verse 4 says, I am saying this so that, right? So everything that we're talking about today is just like it's, it's background for the next point that he's going to make. And this is one of the reasons that I love reading Paul is because at least in his mind, he's being incredibly logical. And the tricky part is, can we string those together in some way that makes it make sense for us too? So that's, that's kind of the, the leaning in moment today. All right, so in order that, so this purpose statement I want there. <clears throat> Who's the there? Can we back up to verse 1? For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. Who's the there? There you go. Good. And I would say that is 100% right until I look at the grammar, and then the grammar makes my head go berserk. Because that is a genitive, that 
plural uh, masculine pronoun, which has to tie back to something that's a genitive before. And the genitive before is the you in verse 1, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I didn't find any commentary that even touched this. I read nine this week on this. Nobody even addresses it. And here's what I've learned about areas in the grammar where nobody addresses. Guess what? They don't know the answer either. <laughs> so this is going to be one of those where I put into, I think our English translation has done a good job of uh, translating this. And it makes sense that Paul is talking about those in Laodicea and those that have not seen his face yet. And had the Colossians seen his face? No. So there is a real sense in which he can use their and actually be referring to them. And if your head hurts right now, welcome to my world. Okay? This is the fun beauty of this stuff. All right, so I want their hearts <clears throat> to be encouraged. So we just finished up Valentine's Day, and I'm, let me just lean in on the word hearts here. Hearts to a first century Jew or Gentile would not have meant what it means to us today. Because when I think about hearts, what do I think about, Jules? Specifically as it relates to Valentine's Day. Conversation hearts, that's exactly right. Because I'm going to go somewhere and buy hopefully the biggest bag that I can find and eat as much of that bag on Valentine's Day as I can and then maybe be miserable the next day. But it, they, they are... That is my love language for Valentine's Day. I'm just telling y'all, okay? If, y if I taught a second grade class or a third grade class, this is what I would be prodding my students with all of January. Bring me the conversation hearts. Like, that's what I want. Now, Julie is wise because she's been married to me long enough to know that she doesn't let me buy the biggest bag that I can find. Um, and she also has learned that she shouldn't walk past the conversation hearts section in Publix with me more than once because... Every time she does, another bag will show up in the cart. So that's the way this works. But when we think of heart, what do we think of? Love and fluttering and like, oh, yay. The, uh, not exactly for a, for a first century person, right? That was not the, the seat of um, like flutteriness. It was uh, the thoughts or the feelings, maybe, but not necessarily the passion, if that makes sense. So I, I don't necessarily want us to read this with 21st century lenses. I want us to understand that it's a good translation. It's just maybe not how we would think about that particular word. So I want their hearts to be encouraged. It's a beautiful word. Anybody know this word in Greek? Paraclete, yeah. Perikaleo. This is the, what member of the Trinity gets this as a descriptor or reference to their action? The Holy Spirit. Cool. So I want their hearts to be encouraged. Now this is a passive verb, which means it's done to them. So if it's done to them, who, wait, who might we think is doing this encouraging? Just if you had to guess, just at random. Maybe the Holy Spirit, yeah. This, this would be my theological guess, is that God encourages believers. That's my first application in the bottom of 116, is that God encourages believers. 
Sorry, I listened to Wayne Grudem this week, so God is coming out like that today. Um. <laughs> Y'all had to put up with that all the way through systematic theology. It was like 57 weeks of, like, what's he doing? That's a weird accent. I know, he was just so good. All right, so I want their hearts to be encouraged. God encourages believers. So what do we do with that? Yeah, maybe, like, what, say, what was, it, what was the thing again? Oh, that's good. Be encouraged. That's better than what I had. I like that a lot better. I'm not even going to tell you what I had. Be encouraged. Say that louder. Say that louder. Why? Because that's what the text said. Yes. That is the... Mm. I danced a little over there. so That's just fantastic. Because that's what the text says. Ugh, that's so beautiful. Well, I'm just, I'm ready to be done with that. I'm just, I've been, I've been encouraged. So there you go. Uh, all right. So I want you, their hearts to be encouraged and joined together. And again, this is another passive. So again, it's not done by the subject. I would argue this is probably also done by the spirit. Uh, so another application here is God joins believers together. I'm coming right back to her because this is better than mine again. So, so we're going to say be joined together. Be joined together. I like it. Fantastic. Well done, Jessica. You ever been part of a team that had opposition to the team? A little bit. What's that? Within the team? No, 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 like outside the team that forces like both. Yeah, there you go. Um, you've probably heard somebody say the church grows best under persecution. The church grows a lot under persecution because there's a us-them kind of mentality at times, but there's also a, like, we got to stick together. This is, like, this is important. And... This was not a day and age where printed on your money was in God we trust, right? It was Caesar is Lord. So th think about that right now. Just pick your president, and if that president's name, that, that president's name is God, is printed on our money. That's the culture that this is in. Would you think we would need some encouragement? Some joining together, yes, very much so. All right, so I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined. We're going to come back to money at the end of class today. That's why I'm planting a seed. Their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love. In love, top of page 117. So there is a, this is the sphere in which this occurs. Um, and then we've got a, a, another Sort of sounding purpose statement here in English, so that. But what's the Greek word? Chi. And chi means? And. And what else does chi mean? Also, even, so then, to, etc. It's most of the time it's translated and. When and doesn't make sense in an English sentence, the translators use something that's a better connector. And here... 
since all Paul is doing for like five or six verses is just stacking purpose statements on end, on end, on end, we're going to say that this is so that. You're like, all right, cool. In love, so that, and is there a word skipped here in the English? East, right? So two or into, they may have all. What's the Greek word there? Just all. You're like, well, it seems like we're getting a little, a little distance from the English text. All right, so let me show you what the first two verses look like in the CSB. So I, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding, have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Is this the only Bible translation that exists in the world? No. no. All right, so let me show you one that I am currently uh, checking out. So this is the Legacy Standard Bible. Uh, has anybody heard of the Legacy Standard Bible? No? Have you heard of the New American Standard Bible? Did you know there was recently an update to the New American Standard Bible? Did you know it is a terrible, terrible, terrible update? They took something that was wonderful, and they went sideways with it. The Legacy Standard Bible takes the old NASB and doesn't go sideways. This is... Uh, basically John MacArthur's common, his translation, his, like his church and the college that's associated with it got together and they put this together. And it's, it's actually really, really good. And it may be coming to a Sunday school class near you in the near future. So I'm just saying. Here's what it looks like for Colossians 2 too. So that their hearts may be encouraged having been held together. In, see how that having been, it's like somebody else is doing this. I love that. Even unto all the wealth even unto all the, every Greek word in the order. <sighs> so we got conversation hearts are my love language and keeping the Greek words in order are my love language, okay? Like this is, this, is, this is very helpful. Now, the other thing I like about it, sorry, this is gonna sound like I'm ripping on the CSB. I love the CSB. It's a good translation of the Bible. But what the CSB doesn't do and what the old like the King James and the New King James used to do. You see these italics, italicized words? They tell us, hey, we've added this in for clarity. Oh, come on, guys. Like this is using typology for theological purposes. Yes, this is good. All right, so let's go to the next slide. So our hearts together in love so that or into... All the riches. There it is, right there. Paul believes in the prosperity gospel. <laughs> I'm just grateful nobody threw anything, which you probably should have since I said that out loud. Is this an example of Paul believing in the prosperity gospel? No, 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 no. How do I know this? How do I know this from the text? Already made reference to it. How do I know this from the text? Yeah, this is wisdom and knowledge. Like this is, this is something that we know. And what else? If this is prosperity gospel, in verse 4, he would say, I'm saying this so that y'all would be blinging it out. Like, no, not at all. This is not where he is going next. I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. Right? This is not like money in my pocket. This is the innumerable riches of our Lord Jesus Christ 
who we know and have and who knows us and has us. Like, whew, okay, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's not the prosperity gospel. All right, page 18, 118. So they may have all the riches of complete understanding. Now this is a, this is a wonky little bit of Greek right here because complete is a noun. Understanding is a noun. And every single commentary that I read and Greek grammar that I read uh, talked about how the word complete is rightly a descriptor of understanding, of how one noun in Greek can actually describe another noun in Greek. And I went, my head's spinning around now, because when do nouns describe nouns? Like, what describes nouns? Adjectives describe nouns in English. And sometimes in Greek, nouns describe nouns. Okay, that's weird, but sure, we'll go with it. Now, this word for complete is this entire confidence. It only shows up four times in the New Testament. And uh, it's a beautiful little list of what believers can have confidence in. So it shows up in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, where it talks about our confidence in the gospel. It shows up in Hebrews 6.11, where it talks about our confidence in the hope in the gospel. It shows up in Hebrews 10.22, where it talks about our faith in the gospel. And it shows up here in Colossians 2.2 in our understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the basis for the gospel. So the only thing that we can hang complete confidence, like the hook that we can hang complete confidence on is the person and work of Jesus Christ and his gospel work. Well, that seems right, especially after how we, Paul's just described him in chapter 1. Right? Because... We got through chapter 1, and there's nobody like Jesus. Yes, it's exactly right. So we shouldn't have complete confidence in anybody like we do like Jesus. Cool. All right, so we've got our entire confidence there. We've got understanding there. This is the putting things together um, in in a uh, taxonomy-type uh, world, this would be uh, synthesis. So I've, I've taken all these different pieces, and I'm putting something together like, oh, I see what this is now. Like, does anybody put jigsaw puzzles together? Yes. That's it. So don't you, like, raise your hand. Be pr like, it's okay. I've got my hand up. I do jigsaw puzzles. In my office, on the wall, are framed jigsaw puzzles. Like, own it. It's all right. But it doesn't, you don't just dump the pieces out and it's like, ah, oh, it's all together. Like, no, it takes a minute, right? And sometimes it takes two minutes. Sometimes it takes a lot of minutes. And there is a beautiful complexity to our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the mental putting together all the aspects, I would argue, all the little data points that Paul has been describing who our Lord Jesus Christ is, putting all of this together. So he desires that they would have all the riches of complete understanding and it's not have the, it's into the knowledge of God's mystery Christ. So at the, they're about halfway down to page 118. This word knowledge is epinosis. Um, now what, what do you know about the theological 
setting of Colossae and Hierapolis and Laodicea and pretty much most of Asia Minor. Like, how have I described the theology landscape? Anything goes. It's a buffet-style theology. Like, it's, it's all good. Yay! All right, so Paul is going to start to turn some of his language and be very, not to us, but to the first century reader, very direct toward one specific type of opposition theologically to the gospel, which is Gnosticism. And we'll talk lots and lots and lots about Gnosticism in the next couple of weeks. I'll tell you why. I don't think it's all he's referring to because the, the things he describes, some of them weren't associated with Gnosticism. So it's actually Gnosticism plus. Um, and, but he is saying that this knowledge is found in who? Christ. You're like, oh. Well, that seems like a direct affront to a group who would say that uh, material existence is flawed or evil. And uh, the, this is, I'm quoting from Wikipedia now. They held that the principal element of salvation to be direct knowledge of the hidden divinity. <clears throat> well, that seems like a one-to-one argument that he's making against this, right? Like the hiddenness of Christ the mystery that was not known and now revealed, Christ in you, available to Gentiles? Like, what in the world? We let them in on this? Yes, we're in too. This is good news. So he's going to start doing some head nods, and I want to just I want to bring attention to them when we see them because I think it's going to be important. All right, so I uh, have reached the knowledge of God's mystery, and then a beautiful little dash here, Christ. So this word mystery shows up four times in Colossians. It's always in reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. So one more time for the kids in the back. Application to the bottom of page 119. Our Lord Jesus Christ is God's mystery. The mystery is a who. Our Lord Jesus Christ is God's mystery. Fire away. Yes. Um, because he was a mystery. That's as good as I can get. I think I know where you're going. Would, would you rather I say our Lord Jesus Christ was God's mystery? I would rather say that. The problem I have is that the verb tenses that are used to describe this is. And I think it might be true for those who have not had Christ confessed as their Lord and Savior. So the, there's an element of the not, the already but the not yet going on here. Um, and I'm going to default, I'm coming back to my friend over here, I'm going to default to what the text goes with. So, yeah. So there's that. All right, so our Lord Jesus Christ is God's mystery. So let's rejoice. Our Lord Jesus Christ is now made known. Because he is made known to us, which is good. Yes, sir. Just real quick on that note, it's, it's going to drive me nuts. It's, uh, CSV says the, um, we have all the riches of complete understanding. Yes. That's the good one. The 95 is the good one. Yes. Yes. Anyway, this is what it was saying to me. 
Oh, so we, we're not fully there yet. Right. So we're just saying, okay. And, and I, like that, I like that word assurance because whether it be with Jennifer or anybody else, the reason that I love her so deeply is because I have the assurance. It's, it's, I've got to work this out. I've got to put myself out on a limb. Hmm. I've got to put my trust and faith in her. And same thing here. That what was once mysterious to me and foreign to me because I did what Paul's saying, all this hmm. stuff to where it sounds great. I like it. I like it. All right, so one more application at the bottom of this, because I'm going to connect back to something that we talked about two pages earlier. So one more application is knowing Christ is a treasure. Knowing Christ is a treasure. And I would say enjoy it and use it, because opposition is here. Those who don't know Christ. All right, so just one, so let me say this again. Knowing Christ is a treasure, so enjoy it and use it. It being the knowledge, not Christ. Christ is a person. Sorry, I don't want to deny the personhood of our Lord Jesus Christ. That would be really bad. <laughs> I'm also not denying the personhood of the Spirit, who is a person, not an it. So when you hear somebody refer to the Spirit like... Uh, Han, Luke, Chewie, and uh, uh, Leia referred to the force. Like, no, that's not what we're talking about here. All right. Uh, all right. So, so one of my favorite commentators that I don't quote hardly ever, and I don't think you know about him, and I want to just do a little quick dive into his life real quick, uh, is A.T. Robertson. So this is what A.T. Robertson talks about here. Paul desires the full use of the intellect in grasping the great mystery of Christ, and it calls for the full and balanced exercise of all one's mental powers. Let me translate this. It's hard. You're going to have to think hard. Does this make sense? All right. Does this look like a guy who thought hard? Yes. All right. So let me, let me tell you about Dr. Robertson real quick. So I want to die like Dr. Robertson died. So he taught Greek for 44 years at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, preeminent Greek scholar in the world at that time. So he's, he's 70 years old. He's teaching a class. He gets a headache. He starts to sweat. His face goes pale. He says, we're going to dismiss class early. I'm going to go home. He goes home. He lies down in his bed. His wife is there. He dies. Mic drop. I love it. He went out teaching that some of you are like, this is weird. No, 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 no. Like, what? Like, that's a fantastic way to go. It was a stroke. He was, it was just like really, really quick. But there you go. Um, Wikipedia's description of this is absolutely hilarious. It says, uh, he was the instructor and professor of New Testament interpretation and remained in that post until one day in 1934 when he dismissed his class early and went home and died of a stroke. I love it. So this is how good he was. All right, you ready? So let me tell you, uh, this is what his office looked like. You want to know what mine looks like? Here's what mine looks like. Book stack, book stack, newspaper stack, books I'm, I, I thought about reading and I didn't get to, uh, books I'm evaluating, books I'm writing, 
uh, books that I bought over Christmas, book, 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 like books, and the USS Enterprise. That's exactly right. So, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, so his Greek grammar. So I'm going to quote. I'm going to quote a theological leader I have never quoted before in Sunday school. You ready? I want to tell you a little story about Dr. Robertson. In uh, 1914, the first edition of the grammar that he wrote received widespread praise from Greek scholars. When Lutheran theologian Oscar Coleman visited Southern Seminary in 1966, he told a group of graduate students about a personal audience he had with Pope John XXIII. Okay? Upon noticing a copy of Robertson's grammar next to the Pope's Greek New Testament, Coleman asked why he was using an English grammar quote, it's the best one available, end quote. The Pope responded. Endorsed by the Pope, he was such a good academic, right? So these are the people that are influencing how I am looking at Scripture and where we are getting stuff from. I'll give you two quick quotes from Robertson, two of my favorite quotes. The Greek New Testament is the New Testament. All else is translation. Bam. This is why our, like this quote is why our primary text in our Sunday school is the Greek New Testament. Hard stop. That's where it is. And then this is a funny one because he had a wicked, wicked, wicked sense of humor. <laughs> and all God's people said, oh, yes, absolutely. All right, let's keep going. So we've got uh, a couple of things left here. Is the next screen? Yep, okay, good. Good, good, good. So um, the mystery is Christ. Verse 3 in him, in who? In Christ, are. Now, this R right there is a plural R. I'm just going to notice some of these real quick. Are hidden. This is the, the adjective. It's also a plural adjective. They're hidden all, which is a plural word, the, which is a plural article treasures which is plural you getting the idea here there's a lot going on the treasures of wisdom which is what singular and knowledge which is what singular right because the wisdom is found in a singular person the knowledge is found in a singular person but wisdom so my application here is that wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. Wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. So be in Christ. Be in Christ. Wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. Do you remember a few weeks ago? Remember a few weeks ago when we talked about taxonomies and all your eyes glazed over and you're like, what is all this about? This is weird. I don't understand this. All right, we're coming back to it now. The, in Proverbs, Solomon lays out his his structure of learning, and that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. Paul is doing the same thing. He has the same conclusion that wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. You can't get here without starting properly. You can't do it. You, you, just, you just can't do it. And the structure of Colossians is such that he spends the first chapter extolling the virtues of our Lord Jesus Christ. The transition section that we're in right now is going to go into chapter 2 where he's talking about 
all the opposition that's coming at you and what you do with it. Because you don't learn how to rightly push back on opposition by studying the opposition. You learn how to rightly push back on opposition by studying the truth. So we have to, right now, have a picture of a $100 bill. You're like, what are we talking about? All right, here's what we're talking about. I'm going to pass out, I have two of them today, which is really kind of wild. You, this is coming back to me. This is coming back to me. I need, I need, them, I need them both back, all right? I need them both back. Here we go. There's all kinds of stuff hidden in this picture. All kinds. All kinds. All like an unbelievable amount of stuff hidden in this picture. And I want you guys to tell me where, where, where. I can't even probably see it on this copy, can I? Let's blow it up. We'll zoom in just a little bit. There's, there's a word, there's a phrase right here in his collar. Let's go one, one deeper, Dave. The United States of America. You see, when the Secret Service agents are trained on how to spot forgeries, they don't show them the fakes. They show them the real. And you learn what the real looks like so that you... Now, I'm glad you got it. Can you see, can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? You're like, I see like a smudge of something right there, but it's, it's almost imperceptible to the naked eye. This is the best picture that I can find of what we do in this room. With the biggest magnifying glass ever on the text. There you go. There's my analogy for the day. So, when we run into opposition, because opposition is going to happen, what do we do? We go to the text. When we are not sure what the text means, what do we do? We go to the text. When we've had a good day, what do we do? We go to the text. When we've had a bad day, what do we do? We go to the text. Zoom in and 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 zoom in, and I want my $200 back. So there's that. All right. That's the end of our first major section. We're moving into the next major section, Lord willing, next week. Uh, there we go. So, whew, good stuff. So next week, Lord willing, we'll be in the uh, preparing. We'll be on page 122. Is that right? 123. Thank you, 123. Yes. So our get ready lesson. And uh, yeah. So thanks for coming today, guys. So you should have your prayer requests on the table once you finish praying for those as a group. Get into the service. You do not want to miss the start of the service today. Like, I'm just saying, you don't want to miss the start of the service today. So thanks, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.